0: So where are we going? Looking to the past is great. I've always heard that you cannot go, you cannot uh, know where you're going until you know where you have been. You have to have a sense of, of orientation. There has to be a sense of pivot. You have to have a stake in the ground. To know where you want to go, you have to know where you have been. So we've looked at last year's um, year in review last year was really good. But how many of you know that you can't live in the past? It's good. It's good to remember. Matter of fact, the past really encourages us because it lets us know what, what's been accomplished. What have we done? What, in this small family last week, we learned there's a lot that got done. I mean, we launched a couple of new ministries. We ministered to so many families. We, we gave a ton of money away for, for needy folks and things like that. And that's, by the way, that's what we're called to do. You understand that, right? The church isn't called to create mega bu- buildings and mega budgets and, 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 and spin plates. The church is called to meet the needs of the body of Christ. That's what we're called to do. And so we really got to get back to that. Um, it, again, let's just read this. Looking to the past is great. It reminds us of how much God has blessed us and where we have been, but we cannot live there. We must look to the future. The immediate and the forthcoming. So where do we want to go this year? What is 2015 looking like for Keystone Church, I wrote down some some simple. Uh, go ahead, Lucas. I wrote down some simple thoughts tonight about uh, some of it may be redundant uh, from when we first launched to now. But uh, what is our culture? Finding our why, which we did a series on finding our why, has probably been one of the best things we've ever could have done. If you wake up in the morning and you know what your why is, you you, you never have to question what you're doing in life. You'll always be fulfilled. You'll always be happy. You'll always go to work with a, you know, with a smile on your face knowing that this is what you're created to do. Our why at Keystone is simple. Connect to the Creator so we can know who we are. We connect in community so we know what we are, what our gifts are. By the way, your gifts flourish in community. Your gifts flourish in community. And finally, we connect to our culture. It's a real simple uh, process. It's nothing new, really. It's simply up to the Creator in community and out the culture up to the creator in in community and out to the culture what is our culture if someone were to ask you go ahead lucas so what's your church all about what would your answer be what if i asked you that tonight hey donovan what's your church all about community you didn't just say that because i said that okay david what's your church all about love David, what's your church all about? Life? Laura? Beth? What's your church all about? Family. How about you, Leo? Community? Rob? Family. Ken? Family. I, I, the Holy Spirit told me that that's what was going to be said tonight. There's going to be two major answers. Community and family. You know why? Because it's the same answer we asked when we first came. What kind of church... Are we wanting to build? Are we kind of what? Not not build. God forgive me. What kind of church are we wanting to plant? Oh, by the way, we don't build his church. He builds his church. You know, you understand that, right? We're not building a church. We're going to get into that in a minute. Our answer should be that. Hey, tell me about Keystone Church, man. We're family. I mean, it, we have you know quirky things going on all the time, and it's great. We we just love it because we're family. That's that's what we want to project. That's what I want to project as a pastor. I want to project that. Man, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You know you can rely on your family. You know that somebody, you can give somebody a call that's in your house and you can say, hey, I, I'm, in, I'm hurting, I'm in, I'm in need. Or, or, or I'm weeping, or I'm joyful. You need somebody to come alongside of you and witness your life and have fun. One of the best things I love is, is knowing that when I come to Keystone Church that there will be people that I love to be with. My friend and I were dreaming about what would church look like if, just, if we could just do whatever we wanted to do. What would church really look like if we could do and dream and, and plan and pray and just have fun? What would it look like? I said, I would always love to be around the people that come. I just want to hang around you guys. But isn't that fun? Now, by the way, family isn't always like that, though, is it? Sometimes you want to kill each other. The cool thing is, is in community, which is common unity, that's community, it's common unity, it's okay to want to kill each other as long as you know that there is a love in the murder. <laughs> this is being taped. We'll edit that out, David. Okay, I'm just kidding. We're not, we're, not, we're not trying to murder each other. What we're saying is family has stuff. Family has poo. Family has nastiness. Family has attitude. Family has division. Family has issues. Family has arguments. But you're always family. Husbands, you get mad at your wives, right? Oh, God, I'm the only guy with a hand up. Please. Wives, you get mad at your husbands, right? Come on. It's family. That's what family does. They get in, they get in on each other's nerves. But but you're in the family of God. And this is the fun thing. Is you may not be operating in the same gifts as somebody else, but the Bible says to prefer and honor one another in the gifts that God has given you. Don't be jealous of someone else's gift. Just prefer that. Honor that. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in your gift. Let somebody else rejoice in your gift as well. Family. What's our culture? Matthew 28, 18-20 says this, Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge. He said this, God authorized me and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. Marking them by baptism in the threefold name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he says, Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. And I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day right up until the end of the age isn't that an awesome promise god tells us to do what to instruct people in the way of life that i have given you that's a cultural thing that's a discipleship thing that's what we should be doing we should be instructing people in the cultural way that we have been instructed to live through jesus That every day after day, I love that Jesus says that, day after day after day, I will be with you until the end of the age. Until there are no more days, trust me, my friends, I will be with you. As you make disciples and you instruct people in this way of life, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I've given you all the authority to do this. So the rest of your days on the planet earth are to do this, to instruct people to live the lifestyle of Jesus. This next few months, I really want to dive into discipleship. I want to dive into returning back to our roots as a Christian people. That what are we really here to do? We're not here to build churches. We mentioned that earlier. We're not here to build big budgets and big meetings and big staffs and big plates to spend. That's just not who we're called to be. We're simply called to make disciples. We're simply called to make disciples. A disciple is someone who walks in the ways and the lifestyle of his master. That's simply all we're supposed to do. The problem is, if we're honest as Christians and even as pastors, we could say, I really, I really don't understand how to make disciples. So what we've done is we say, said, let's bring everybody into a building and let's have a nine-week discipleship course. And then when you jump through those hoops, then, hey, congratulations, you're a disciple now. And all, all, my, all I want you to do is go get somebody else to come to my class and then they can be a disciple too. That is, that is so off of what Jesus meant when he said, make disciples. Discipleship, guys, is a lifestyle. Discipleship is every day after day after day after day. And you're going to get discouraged and you're going to get frustrated because it's slow and, and tedious and it takes patience and you don't see a lot of results early on. But that is what we're instructed to do. Let's move on. Next one, Lucas. Looking ahead. A culture of community. This was the early church in Acts chapter 2. After they had heard this commission from Jesus, the whole congregation of believers was united as one. One heart and one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. Now get your brain around this verse. No one said, that is mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus and grace was on them all. Can we just just think about that for a minute? No one claimed ownership of anything. Isn't that completely anti-American? Isn't that completely anti-Western church? Isn't that completely anti everything you've ever been taught? Come on, is, isn't it? I am struggling to get my brain around what the early church looked like. You know, did it look like Waco, Texas? I don't know. Did it, it, You know, without the weirdness, right? Did it look like a community of believers living together, having no ownership of everything, but knowing that everything was for the use of the greater good? I mean, didn't we have a, a political party called communism that's been ingrained in us as bad and bad and bad? Now, the argument can be made, obviously this isn't communism because... There is requirements on this, and we can get into that later. But the whole thing is, what? nobody claimed ownership on anything. And everything that they had was for the good of the other. And every, everybody else that had nothing had everything they needed because those that had greater were able to take care of them. Isn't that completely anti-Republican? I'm just being honest with you, isn't it? You can shake your head, you can say, "Isn't it absolutely against everything we have ever been taught as Americans to go plant your stake in the ground and go get your picket fence and protect your water tower, and, and that's your land, and this is my land and not your land, and you know, by God, I'll protect what's mine and you can't have mine." And I mean, that's just all the stuff that's been ringing in my head. How does this work? How can you live in a community where you realize that I own nothing? I share everything. And what I have is yours. And if you need to take it. I want to somehow go on a journey and discover that kind of church. I want to somehow go on, that, on, on an adventure, if you will, and discover what would it really look like. What does a New Testament church look like in our Western culture? Can it, can it be accomplished? Can, can we do it? with all of our prejudices and all of our built-in mechanisms, as certainly Americans and Western church people, can we live this way? I don't know. That's the journey though, isn't it? Isn't that the adventure? I mean, that's mine. No one said that. No one said you can't have it. They shared everything. They never claimed ownership of any of their possessions. Crazy. Let's move on. What's the identity of community? Number one, I believe it's unity. They have to be united. The Bible says in Acts chapter, acts chapter 4 that they were of one mind and one spirit. They were united. There is nothing that could come against the forces that acts in unity. The force that acts in unity. Where there is unity, there is always victory. We want to be known as a church that is unified in diversity. Where we welcome other ideas and opinions, but we don't necessarily put people down because they don't think exactly like the pastor. They don't think like the elders board. They don't think like the leadership team. We want to welcome unique ideas and unique thoughts and unique religious backgrounds and even theologies, if you will. But there must be the common core of unity. Common unity. I believe one of our problems is all of our schisms and divisions in our church today is, oh, you didn't cross your T, right? You cannot be part of our fellowship. Oh, you, you believe in baby baptism, but we don't believe that, so you have to go form your own denomination and go celebrate that on your own. Okay, okay. I mean, God must be scratching His head going, my gosh, myself, what is going on with my people? Unity and diversity. That's what makes up our nation, or so we're told, right? You can have diverse ideas, diverse political backgrounds, and still be called an American Why can't we do that in a church, a local body, that says, hey, where do you go, Keystone Church? But I thought you were Catholic. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I thought you were Lutheran. Yes. But I thought you were Methodist. Yeah, I'm Presbyterian. I thought you were Baptist. Yeah, 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 yeah. There they welcome diversity. They welcome different ideas. They welcome different theologies. They welcome different patterns and past practices. Man, can you see what can be... Part of the family of God, all operating in different places, but still one body, still operating in one unified force that cannot be defeated. Still welcoming in different ideas, different cultures, different influences, different past practices, different backgrounds, and saying, "Man, we love that here." I don't, I don't understand everything about that idea i don't understand everything about your walk i don't ever understand everything about your pain i don't understand where you've been i don't understand why you are here today all i can say is i welcome you i love you you're welcome to this family that could how much could we get done in the kingdom if we just laid aside some simple differences and said man i as a pastor, I don't really get that, but he helped me understand it. I mean, what if, what if pastors took that approach? Just think about it. Man, I don't really, I don't really get that point of view, but help me. Ne- I've never been exposed to that idea. I was never exposed to mysticism. It was, it, it was introduced to me here. We welcomed it. Went through two books about it. Changed our lives. Learned about liminal space from an 80-year-old sage. That's, that's what we want. That's what we, look, Looking into 2015, that's the message that you can begin to share. Listen, this is a church that isn't bent on certain rules and regulations. They're bent on unity. They want to be in unity with the body of Christ. They want to be in unity with families that are hurting and wanting and longing for something more. I was reading about David this week and his mighty men and i always thought the the word disgruntled meant something that it didn't but in reality the real uh, the real translation to the word how the men were feeling was simply this they wanted more they wanted more out of life they wanted more out of their leadership they wanted more they knew that there was something more inside of them they gathered around david all from different walks of life different tribes you know they all didn't say maybe have the same accent even speak the same kind of lingo or eat the same food. They all gathered around David wanting more. I believe that Colorado Springs is filled with families who want more. They've been misdiagnosed as bitter and wounded and walking dead. And and really, in reality, they're simply wanting more. They want real. They want to be heard. I'm reading a book this week. It's called... uh, creating a culture of discipleship. And Mike Breen in there writes, he says, everybody in their hearts wants to do something great. Something inside of us is created to do something great. It might be on a smaller scale than somebody else. It doesn't really matter. You're created to do something great. Could be something great that is small, but it is great nonetheless. It's a culture. community the identity of community let's move on number two what are we united for okay so we've all been part of building programs and we've all been part of bus ministries and we've all been part of sunday school programs we've all been part of growth programs we've all been part of you know bring your buddy to church pack the pew family sunday free goldfish i will swallow a goldfish if you'll just get on my bus i mean i i've done that right um by the way, you have to swallow goldfish head first, so it'll never go down otherwise. I know. I'm sorry. Just ruined your evening. Yeah, yeah, because all the gills, you know, go the same. they got to swim. They gotta, Anyway, all right. what <laughs> Goldfish tracker. What are we united for? Number one, we're united for the common good. In Acts chapter, two, Acts, chapter, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4, it said that everybody worked together to accomplish the same thing, and that was to give to those who had need. Doesn't this fly in the face of, 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 I mean, to me, and maybe it's just me tonight. Maybe it's me that's struggling. Maybe I'm, I'm w- trying to work through my own prejudices and my own built-in mechanisms that say, I don't want to help them. They're, what are they? They're lazy. Help yourself. Come on, I, I mean, I, I'm just being honest with you. Hey, put your pants on and go get a freaking job. I mean, that's what my heart says. I'm just being honest with you. I don't want to give them my money. They don't come to church. Oh, what? I don't want to help them. They don't, they don't, even, they don't even show up for my stuff. I'm just, I mean, can anybody relate? Please, only me hanging out here. Right? Isn't that really how we feel? If you're not doing what I'm doing, I'm not going to help you in what you're doing. I'm telling you guys, that's the built-in prejudice and the recovering pharisaical attitude that I deal with. Why should I give you my hard-earned money? Go get a job, you bum. I mean, I'm just... Anybody nod your head? I mean, that is, that's how... Well, I don't know if that's how you think. That's how I think. I'm trying to rewire guys. Does that make sense? United for the common good. The common good is to help those who are in need. Now, the fun thing is this. Helping those who are in need are not enabling those who are lazy. The fun thing is helping those in need is saying, I've got a job opportunity for you. Why don't you come rake my leaves? Why don't you come shovel my walk? Why don't you come mow my lawn? And then let's see if we can build a little business out of it. Everything around the early church was birthed out of a business. It was birthed out of an idea. It was called the Abbey. It was birthed out of this common core good that everybody worked together. Oh, you're a tailor, so let me see how I can make your gifts work in the body. Until then, let's get you going. Let's help you start your business. Let's help. Let's let's all shop at the Aspen Lasso. Should, I mean shouldn't that what we be? Shouldn't that be our goal? Why would you go shop somewhere else? There is a local business that sells... Well, I guess guys can. Can guys shop there? No, we're out of luck. All right. Oh, they shop for their wives. See? The problem is, listen, I just want to get my prejudice out here. Please bear with me. Why should Laura be successful? I don't like her stuff. Or she's too expensive. Or why do I got to go all the way downtown? Why didn't she have a shop in Briargate or Monument, huh? You're missing the point. That The body of Christ is here to help those in need. So if I can, and I'm spending money anyway, why wouldn't I go help somebody in the body of Christ? Ding, ding, ding! Does that make any sense? All right. Common good, common unity, united. Number two, united for the cause of discipleship. Their last command... They were still acting on their last command from the master. The master said, make disciples. Make people, track them in the lifestyle that I've shown you. Okay. They didn't get any other instructions. By the way, there's no plan B, guys. It's still today, make disciples. It's not build a church. It's not build a program. It's not build a name for yourself. It's still, there's no plan B, hasn't changed. It's still make disciples. Make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. He didn't even say make converts. He didn't say make, have a thousand baptisms this year. He didn't say build a mega complex. He said make disciples. And that, oh my God, it's so simple. And yet most of us still don't have a clue what that means, pastors included. Next one, identity of community. Number three, they had a spirit of faithfulness. Watch this, Acts 5 verse 12. The apostles were performing many miracles and signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. Check this out. Jesus' early church didn't even have a building. The Solomon's Colonnade was the front porch to the temple. Isn't that fascinating? They didn't even have a building. The church itself was created and left out of the original church, the, the temple. They couldn't go into the temple. There was Gentiles and there were drunkards and harlots and horlots. Har, har, <laughs> there you go. New word, harlots. Uh, all kinds of people that weren't allowed into the temple, people of different nations, people uncircumcised, people who eat meat, you know, whatever. They, so they couldn't go into the temple, so they were actually ostracized from the temple and they got to meet on the front porch. Talk, think about it. Hey, where's your church meet? Yeah, we can't go in, but... Uh, we meet on a big concrete slab right outside the church. It's awesome. Thousands and thousands of people... Bet my, bet my thousands, Hundreds and hundreds of people met on the front porch of the temple for church. There you go. We have nothing to complain about. But a spirit of faithfulness. A spirit of faithfulness is simply this. Those, the Bible says who can find a faithful man? It's those who say, I'm going to give my life... Hear me clearly, not to Keystone Church, but to the call of making disciples. This happens to be a great big living room where we can gather together, have coffee together, enjoy one another's fellowship, share stories, pray with one another. It is important that we get together once a week, at minimum, and share our lives together. It is important. Don't get me wrong. It's important. But your, your lifelong goal, your lifelong dedication, is not to grow Keystone Church. Your lifelong dedication is to be committed to the ways of the Master. Little shift. Who says that? You preach to your own demise. Who says that we shouldn't do that? I mean, what? Yes, your call, let me get this in your head. Your call is not to build Keystone Church. My call is not to build Keystone Church. It has to be a cool name that I came up with. It was confirmed by the Holy Spirit. Great, it's just something we're known by. I had to put something on the Secretary of State's letterhead. (laughs) It's a little bit more than that. I'm just kidding. But you know, it's a little tongue-in-cheek. Your goal in life is not to be faithful To a building, your goal in life is to be faithful to the call of your master. Make disciples. Train them in my lifestyle. Simple as that. That's what you are to be faithful to. Number four, the identity of a community is a culture of discipleship. So developing a culture of discipleship. For the next few months, we're going to be talking about what does a culture of discipleship look like? We don't really understand what it means to make disciples. We think we do, and if I were to ask you guys to fill out a survey, I don't know what the responses would be, but I would imagine most of you have something to do with classes and teaching. Am I wrong? No? Anybody think differently? I mean, maybe. Shut up, David. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, discipleship is not simply a nine-week course that we're so accustomed to of jumping through hoops and Oh, you got your badge. How many of you ever went through Awanas or Boy Scouts or anything? I, you know, sometimes to me, I just want. You know, I'll go. I, I got this new Fitbit thing, right? And so my goal is 10,000 steps a day. Today I got a sneaker badge. So I did 10,000 steps. I'm like, I don't really care about the steps. I just want the badge. <laughs> I, I Something twisted in my psyche. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't really. Some, uh, Donald Miller said this, some of us never start the race because we're so, we're so interested in preparing for the race. So what do we do? We get all the gadgets, we get the coolest shoes, the Nike Fitbit, and the thingy that connects your thing, and it connects your, I mean, I am connected four different ways to this little thing on my wrist. It's not so much that I really want to go exercise, I just want to earn the badges. <laughs> I know, it's pathetic. I went to Iwana's, as a Christian kind of version of, of um, Boy Scouts, and, and I would memorize the Scriptures just to get my next patch as quickly as I could, short-term memory. You know, just Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you have to quick into a den where she is. And he raised us up in, and, 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 and although your in are dead, And I would just rattle that thing off as fast as I could, and the, the director would go, man, that was good. Here's your patch. <laughs> yeah, baby. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what it meant. I couldn't even repeat it to you the next day. I think some of us live for the patch. We don't really... We were talking about this at dinner the other night. We haven't learned to retain what discipleship is. I didn't really appreciate college until I was in my 30s. In my young, early days, I would just do enough to get past the grade and, and then forget... You know, Teresa is was, was, was great at this. She'll say... You know, I learned how to nurse, what, I mean, nursing, not nurse, but nursing, the trade of nursing, you know, one lesson at a time, and would forget it. And then she realized the next year she needed to retain the things that she had learned from the year before, but short-term memory just to get her past the test had failed her long-term. I didn't really appreciate school until I was in my 30s, and I I learned to retain information. I, I, I don't know how to say it other than I kind of immersed myself in the in the story, if you will. So if it was history, I would try to put myself there and 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 learn, not just memorize the names and dates, but immerse myself. Okay, I said all that just to say this. Discipleship is that. It's it's not just learning about the ways of Jesus, it's immersing your life in him. It's it's retaining his way of life. Does that make sense? It's not just passing the test so you can get a patch, you can get a sneaker after 10,000 steps. It's saying, I am going to immerse my life into His ways. And, 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 and everything that I do from this point forward is going to be help someone else immerse their life into His ways. I'm going, in other words, I'm, I'm not trying to memorize the scriptures of Jesus. I don't want to memorize the miracles of Jesus. I don't really care to memorize all the names of the apostles of Jesus. I want to immerse my life in Jesus' lifestyle. I want to become like Him. I don't want to know about Him. I want to be like Him. Does that make sense? I think that's the journey that we're going to have to go on. To learn how to immerse our lives in the lifestyle of Jesus—not just memorized, not just so we can say, "Hey, Jesus, we made it to heaven. I memorized all the scriptures. See my Iwana badges. I mean, I pioneered Timothy Award three times in a row. You know, I mean, I tied all my knots, learned how to fish. Great. That's wow. That has nothing to do with what I told you to do. By the way, um, <laughs> at the last day, isn't it fascinating who Jesus never recognizes? Basically, all the spiritual leaders, right? Hey, we preached in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We healed in your name. I don't know you. Crap. Those are the people who just memorize Jesus. They don't know Jesus. Do you know him? Yeah. Dive in. You got to get all in. If, if, if we're going to do what God calls to do, let's do it. Or let's go golfing. I don't know. Let's, let's get in all the way. Immerse yourself in the lifestyle of Jesus. Developing a culture of discipleship. Here we go. Up, in, and out. We talked about this. We're going to connect to the Creator. That is our up. That's simply saying we are outsy. Okay, I just saw that. That's just to keep you awake to see if you're paying attention. Anyway, uh, up. We're connecting to the Creator because we want to know our identity in Christ. We can't be disciples of Christ if we don't know who we are in Christ. Number two, connecting the community. That's our in. This is this. Guys, look, this is community. This is this is what this is. It's sharing and caring and giving and, and living and and you know hanging out together and having dinner and going to men's group and ladies group. We don't go we don't do men's and ladies groups because we're bored. I, I, I don't do that for that. I want to hang out with the guys. I want to be in community. I want to hear your story. I want to see if we can help. Can we help? Can I help? Connecting the culture is our out. That's how we get out of the building. I love that the, there's a book called Barefoot Church, and every fourth Sunday, they actually never meet in a facility. They go out and serve the community. They paint buildings and, and they pick up garbage and they clean parks and they go serve at a homeless shelter. So they really only you know they're they're equipping each other three weeks out of the month, and then the fourth week it's like, hey, do you really believe what you? Say you believe, let's go serve the community. That's their out. Kind of cool. Next one. The identity, uh, identity of community. Here's the thing that can be difficult to wrap our minds around. If you make disciples, man, if you guys get one thing tonight, get this. You always get a church. Church is a natural byproduct of discipleship making. But it is something that you and I are not called to build. If you make disciples, you will always get the church. Did you see what he said? The church, not a church. You'll get the full and true expression of the church. But if you make a church, you rarely get disciples. Matter of fact, we more than likely end up with consumers. Feed me, teach me. Here's, oh oh God, guilt me into 25 bucks. Here you go. And so pastors, their entire lives then are spent on administration. They're administrating staff. They're trying to hire new people to spin new plates so that the consumer is satisfied. Please don't leave. I know our child care sucks right now, but we're going to hire somebody for that. But could you give more so that we could hire someone to do that? You see the, the vicious cycle this can get into? uh-uh, uh-uh, you know, please, please don't go. I, I promise we're going to hire somebody better to sing for you on Sunday mornings. I- I just hang in, hang in there. Bear with us. It is crap. It has nothing to do with the church at all. If you don't make disciples, you will end up invariably with consumers. And you know what we'll spend our time doing? Trying to satisfy a fickle consumer. Disciples just are disciples, man. They hang out. I'm with you guys. I'm with you. I don't care hell or high water. We're with you, man. We're gonna hang in there. We're gonna we're gonna love Colorado Springs and we're gonna love people and we're gonna love the homeless. We're gonna love the down and out. We're just gonna love because we're in with you, man. That those are disciples. Hey, we're gonna meet on the front porch today. Cool. I'm in. Those are disciples. See, they don't they don't they're not interested in how the latest fad is tickling their fancy. They just want to be in the track of the master. Let's go. Okay, what's Keystone all about? Here's some goals. Our goal is to make disciples. Our goal is to live in community. And our goal is to live the following way. Let's live up. Let's always connect to the creator. Let's find ways to connect to the creator. Find your identity. Um, Some of the the things that we offer here, yes, it does. It helps you connect up. Right? We have Bible studies and we have ladies groups and it helps you connect up. It helps you connect up and in, actually, because you're in together connecting up. But I can promise you, you've got to have some time with you and Daddy alone. You know, just, just in your car, worship. I mean, me, my think tank is my bike. I got on the trainer, and I'm just thinking, Jesus, you know, God, help me not pass out. You know, God, my God, this is awesome. That sucks at the same time. All right, so our goal is to live up. Secondly, our goal is to live in, be in community on purpose, share your lives with one another. Listen, if you're going to Costco, Call somebody to go with you. That is simply living together, living life together. Not having your own agenda. Living life together. And finally, living out. Let's get out of the building. Let's get out of the four walls. Let's uh, Again, And our, our, our culture is a lot of activities, a lot of races, a lot of bike races, a lot of trail hikes. Get out of here. Don't tell, tell people what you know. Tell people what you learned. Now here's a couple challenges for us and we'll wrap it up. Watch this. Jesus has not called you to build His church. In fact, in all of the Gospels, He mentions the church only two times. One time He mentions it to say about conflict resolution. Remember that? Your brother has something against you. Go to him, forgive him, bring another guy. You guys know. The other time was only to say that He will build His church. Isn't that fascinating? How much energy, time, Effort and money is spent building a church. And it's not even what Jesus asked us to do. (laughs) I'll get your brain around this. Our job, our only job, and the last instructions He gave us was to make disciples. And out of this, we will get the church. We will see a true expression of the church. By the way, I believe that people are longing and dying to see a real expression of the church of God. What does it really look like? Because what we've been doing isn't it. Out of this, the future will emerge, and out of this, there will be a missional wave, the likes of which we have never seen. And finally this. So if you're counting converts, converts, budgets, or buildings first and foremost, you are not counting the things that Jesus counted. And you are not counting the things that will change the world, which is disciples. Bless you. That's tough, guys. Do you know how many de- Every... I'm just, just being transparent with you. Every single week... I have to die to the idea of building a church. Almost daily, if you really want to be honest, almost daily I die to the desire to build a church. Teresa can account this for me. I get frustrated. I complain to her. And I get angry and mad and sad. And what are we doing? We're supposed to be building a church. And the Holy Spirit reminds me, you are not called to build the church. You can't build the church, as a matter of fact. You can't do something you're not called to do. I can only do what I'm called to do. You can only do what you're called to do. You cannot build the church. You can only make disciples. And by the way, the, the moment you put numbers on that, well, we've got to have 12. You've got to have 12. You know, Jesus had 12. You've got to have 12. Dude, if you have one disciple in your life, I believe you get to heaven and God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You did exactly what you had the talent to do. You did exactly what I told you to do. You made a disciple. Wow! And all the, you know, people like, who who did everything differently, you're like, dang, dude, we missed it. We missed it. We didn't make disciples. We tried to build churches. And, but, by the way, have you seen all the articles on Facebook lately? You know, hey, why the millennials are leaving? I'm, I'm thinking, why the millennials never came? <laughs> They're not leaving. I'm kind of getting tired of all that. Oh, why people are leaving your church. And it invariably goes back to you're not offering them something that they need. Well, you're narcissistic. Can you narcissistic, you stinking narcissistic. It's not about you. It's about you pouring your life into somebody else, making disciples. The whole problem is it's been all about me. Well, satisfy me. Give me a program that I like. Well, I don't have a Jolly Roger 60 Club, so I'm going down the road to another church that has Jolly Roger 60 Club, and they have teas on Thursday mornings. And you don't have that, so I'm leaving. And I'm telling you the truth. I've heard it. I've seen it. I've watched it. Guys, we are not called to create events to fill buildings. We're called to give our life away to make disciples. If you make 30, if you make one, God is delighted in the fact that you simply did what you're called to do. Hey, remember what pride was? Pride? Remember pride in the seven pillars? is the opposite of humility. Pride, remember pride? is trying to be somebody that you're not. It's false identity. The moment you and I try to start and, and but can i just i'm just being transparent with you guys right i mean i'm just here with this family I, I die daily and have to block facebook posts of everybody giving away big screen TVs and bikes and cars and motorcycles and i i want so badly to give away a TV to get a new family to come to church My most refreshing time is when I can remember what I'm really called to do. If you're frustrated, and you're, you're, if you're frustrated with church, you're frustrated with life, I don't know, just simply remember what you're really called to do. You're not called to build a great youth ministry, pastor. You're called to disciple. What I love about Donovan and Haley is they do a D-group called Discipleship Group. He comes to my house, picks up my son takes them to another guy's basement, and they spend real life on life together. Sometimes they go to coffee shops. Sometimes they go to restaurants, Sometimes they go see a movie. You know what that says? Disciple maker. Not interested in big youth, silliness, you know, whatever. Disciple. Make disciples. So, 2015, what's it look like for us? I really want to begin to equip me and you to be disciple-makers, to really be able to reproduce the life of Jesus in me first and then in others second. I, I, I ran long. I'm sorry. Stand with me. Let's go on an adventure. Okay, that's uh, what I want to see in 2015. I was uh, talking with a pastor friend this week and he was giving me all of his goals and you know, he wants to do this and you know blah, 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 and buy land and build buildings and put stop nod my head. Yeah, man, all right, cool. You know. <laughs> Drinking my coffee. So what do you want to do? <laughs> I don't have a clue. <laughs> I wanna make disciples, dude. I wanna see a real life church with real live people living real life. Just just making disciples. You're gonna hear a lot about it? Um, so I thought it'd be cool to go through 1 Corinthians together this year, men, to go through a real book of the Bible. I mean, I can't, I can't really tell you the last time I studied a book of the Bible. Right? We're, we were, we were we, we, how many books did we go through in our culture? I mean, how, how, I don't know, 50? I don't remember one time ever going, hey, let's study the book of Timothy. Well, I can do that, so I'm going to do that. Ladies, same thing. I mean, you guys are going to get into the Word of God. You've got to get back to the Word of God. So simple. All right, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to get this. Help me to get this. Good grief. Um, help us understand what we're really called to do. Help us to be disciple-makers. Father, I know, Lord, God, I just sense in my spirit this pleases your heart. You know, we just want to see an expression, a real expression of your real New Testament church lived out in this western culture i it's some, i don't know if at all i'm just being honest with you holy spirit i'm struggling with some of the built-in prejudices and mechanisms that already are defaulting i'm, I'm short-circuiting to some of the things that your word says I'm, and i'm i almost want to justify it you know go study greek and maybe you meant something else but it's so simple so god tonight we pray as just a, a family that we can we can be that kind of people. We can be that, that kind of disciple-makers, Lord, and, and then we'll probably see a real expression of the church. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Love you. Love you.